0: We're going to jump back into this series called Church As, and I want to ask you a question. What's your view of a missionary? Bad view? Good view? Weird view? Nice view. I mean, when when I say the word missionary, sometimes, like in our culture anyways, it could be viewed very negatively, you know, that someone goes into a, a culture and uh, maybe a foreign culture or another part of the world and and uh, tries to convert people maybe in that way. And and uh, But then there's a this, of course, we, we as a church have this positive view of what it means to be on mission and to share this incredible message of Jesus Christ uh, to our world around us. And when I was a kid, though, here's the thing. When I was a kid and I was involved in church and maybe as a teenager, we would often... And have people come to speak at our church that were missionaries. So they came from another part of the world. And back then we didn't have video screens like this. They would show slides on the screen. Remember anybody remember slides? Anyways, um, so so they would show these pictures and and things would look different then and and um, obviously different people, different places, um, interesting places, sometimes dangerous places. And I would sit there and kind of admire you know their sacrifice, their time, their their calling. Uh, but one of the results of those stories that I didn't realize at the time, but one of the results of those stories made me think I was not a missionary, because I just would see somebody who was going somewhere to do something like that, and I, one of the results of hearing those stories is like, well, I'm, I guess I'm not a missionary, that mission is always somewhere else. It's interesting, I, I went to Bible school and got a, doing my Bachelor in Theology, and You know, there was like a pastoral route or youth ministry or kids ministry. And there was even this like missions route. Like you can take some courses or electives that were uh, helpful to, you know, prepare you for to be a missionary, not to be a pastor or to work in a church. So when I would hear that, too, I would think, oh, well, I guess I'm not a missionary because missionaries will take this course, you know. And those two experiences made me think that way few years before we started westside uh, my wife and i and we're, you know we're just looking at what we were doing and looking at the church we were involved and we loved it and loved the area but we started to realize that 99% of what we did as a church was often for us so i started to think well maybe we're not missionaries because a lot of what we do is just for us and not the neighborhood and god started to get my attention through scripture and stories and books and experiences and it woke up something in me that I really never knew about myself, that I am also a missionary. And I, I started to realize that over these experiences and reading and learning. And I was a missionary, but just not the kind that, had, that needed an airplane ticket, right? Just not the kind that needed to like cross an ocean to be one. And I started to learn something as well, that I'm not a missionary alone, that we as a church are missionaries together, and so we're, we're in this series called Church As, and today I want to talk about church as missionary, thinking plural together, and what that means. We could look at some great passages of scripture that if you've been in the church a while, you maybe know already, like the Great Commission, you know, go into all the world and and, uh, make disciples of all nations, or uh, maybe a scripture like Isaiah 49 that talks about Israel being a light to like the nations, to the world, or Acts chapter 2, you know, uh, just, you know, being witnesses in the world. But I want to point us to a, a, a scripture that maybe. You never paused long enough to look at. And just one, one line that comes out of Colossians chapter 4, verse uh, 16 to 18. And, uh, and it's, it's about this guy that's that actually an interesting name. His name is Archippus. Like, not Archie Bunker and not Archie the comics, but Archippus. All right? So here's verse 16 in the book of Colossians chapter 4. After this letter, here's Paul writing this, okay? So Paul's written this letter to this church, first century, in a town called Colossae. They've received this letter. He's coming to the end of the letter. And he says, after this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea and tell Archippus, here he shows up, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. We only read of this guy, Archippus, like two times in the whole New Testament, in Colossians. And then when Paul writes this letter to an individual called Philemon, we have the letter in our, in our New Testament scriptures, and he mentions Archippus as well there, and he actually calls Archippus his fellow soldier, that they're kind of on mission together, they're doing stuff together, they, they're a team together. And so we get the sense that this one guy, Archippus, is important to Paul, And that they're both part of God's mission in the world together. Paul the apostle, Paul the church planter, Paul the theologian, and Archippus, facilitating very likely a small group of believers in his house in the region of Colossae. And we get this sense that what Archippus is doing in partnership with what Paul's doing is all part of God's mission, is all part of what God wants to do in the world to see people come to faith in him and discover the beauty and goodness of Jesus. They're both missionaries, part of God's missionary movement. And here's this one little line to Archippus, one little message. Wouldn't it be cool if it was like, Cindy, I got a message for you. Or Rob, I got this message for you. Here's this one little line to this guy, Archippus. See to it, that's what Paul says. See to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I mean, this guy must have been... So grateful that Paul, in his letter to these people, would mention him and encourage him in this way. And it tells us a couple of things, that Archippus' house church had value, that the group of believers that were gathering in his home in this first century town had value, and that he and them were part of God's mission in reaching the Gentile world, beyond even the early Jewish groups who first came to faith after the resurrection, That what he was doing and what he was a part of and what these people that were meeting in in his home were a part of, were a part of God's mission for the world. And he says two things to him. He says, complete the ministry or the work. In other words, he's saying, Archippus, don't give up. Archippus, don't stop. Archippus, keep going. Your ministry, the church, these people, they're important. But he doesn't just say that. He, the way he says it, he says it this way. Complete the ministry the Lord that you received from the Lord. That you received from the Lord. In other words, Archippus received this calling, this conviction from, from the Lord. When, when he says, he doesn't just say from the Lord, he actually says in the Lord. And this makes me stop because it's one thing to receive something from somebody but Paul says he received something in the Lord, which, which means a couple of things. It means that Archippus' very relationship with Jesus, his, his very coming to faith, included him in God's mission to the nations. So when Archippus came to faith in Jesus, when Archippus you know, had this moment where he, dis, he discerned and discovered and responded to the conviction of the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ is Lord, When Archippus, uh, you know, becomes a disciple of Jesus, in that moment, he also became part of God's mission. He also became this partner in mission. And I wonder if you and me, just like when I was growing up, we would separate these things like mission and ministry or serving people and growing in faith or reading my Bible and serving my neighbor. And we put them in these categories, you know? And I wonder if that, if you've experienced that or maybe you feel that way. I remember when I was in college uh, doing music and I, I went to Vanier College to do like a two-year program in music. I loved it because I just wanted to grow in that at the time. But I, I, wanted to, I just wanted to play, right? I just wanted to play music. I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And then I had to take like a theory class. And I had to like write notes and learn intervals. And then I had to take a sightseeing class. Then I had to take an ear training class. And I'm like, I just want to play. Then I had to take a music history class and learn about some composers or how music evolved over the years. And, I, and then I had to join this thing called a concert band. And we played like the score from Star Wars. And I'm like, I don't really want to play this. But you know, and then and I just wanted to play jazz. I just wanted to play with like a keyboard player, or a drummer, or a bass player, or a guitarist. And I didn't want to play with you know flutes and clarinets and, and trombones and timpanis. I, I, it was cool it was okay but that's not why I went to college. I, I remember I had to join the sax quartet. A few of them I joined over the time. But the first one I joined, you know which horn they gave me? They gave me the baritone sax. You know how big that thing is? It's like this big. You know what it means to carry that on the bus on Sauvey to get back to Laval and like it was like I was like three people on the seat, you know? It was it was crazy. And it was it was so big and it was so bulky and I'm like I just want to play my alto or or a soprano, that's like, that fits my hands better. I I think my height is more suited to those two, you know? But I I did it. And um, there's some things that I actually did like doing, like jazz band and fusion band and traveling and for competitions. But what I started to realize is that all of it was part of what it meant to be a musician. I couldn't categorize, you know, put like theory here and sightseeing here and concert band here and baritone sax here and alto sax here. All of it was part of what, it, what I was doing. All of it was part of what it meant to be a musician. And all of it taught me something in what it meant to grow as a musician. I couldn't separate it or prioritize one or the other. And here's the beautiful thing. When Archippus, what Archippus received from the Lord, that ministry, that, that work What he received in the Lord, in his relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, included ministry and mission. Included his spiritual growth and loving his neighbors. Included learning the scriptures and sharing his faith. It was all part and parcel of that. And it it helps me see that I can't categorize my life that way or my faith that way. And it points to something out that that gives us a better context for Archibus, because Paul writes this letter to him, right? Paul says, hey, Archibus, I want to remind you of this. You know, complete the ministry that you received in the Lord. Well, Paul believes the same thing about himself. Listen to what Paul says in in the first few verses of of chapter 1. If if we go back to it, and it's on the screen, chapter 1, verse 25. Listen to what Paul says. It sounds very similar. He says, I have become its servant. Speaking about the gospel. I've become a servant of the gospel. And listen to what he says. By the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. But is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. Which is, in, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Here's Paul saying... I'm a servant of this mission. God commissioned me. God commissioned me to present his word to you. And he he calls it a mystery because now in Jesus Christ, we get the fullness of what God has in store for us. But he says this mystery is this, that God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, or just right in there, the world, everyone beyond the Jews, the glorious riches of this mystery. And the mystery is that Christ is, longs to live in you. And that's your hope. That's the hope of glory. What Paul says to Archippus, Paul also sees for himself. It's so clear in this one little verse in Acts 20, verse 24. Paul says this in Acts 20, verse 24. He says, "'My only aim is to finish the race.'" And what does he say? "'Complete the task the Lord Jesus has what?' "'Given me.'" "'The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace.'" Paul says the same thing about himself that he says about Archippus. That his only aim is to what? Complete the task or the ministry or the work. And who gave him this? Jesus. He received it from Jesus. And the work is testifying to the good news of God's grace that the world would know who God is. Now, you might think, well, that's Archippus and that's Paul. But like, is this really what God longs for us? And I often love to kind of give us a bigger picture, and here's this bigger picture here. This is way bigger than Paul, way bigger than you or me, way bigger than Archippus. It's not unique to Paul or unique to Archippus. It's actually, get this, part of God's missional identity. This is what I mean by this. God is a missionary. That Some scholars like to use this word. It's called missio dei. It's just in Latin, and that just missio is mission and dei is God. But what it means is that We serve a God of mission or we serve a missional God. In other words, God is actively calling humanity into life and purpose that they were created for. And we know this just by scanning the scriptures. We know that God is missional because when the world did not know and discover who he was. He, he, it's like a whole bunch of smarties all over the floor. He picks up one, and that's Abraham. And he's like, I want to start something so the world will know who I am. And through Abraham, he says to Abraham, you're going to be a blessing to the nations, to the nations. And through Abraham, God starts to reach to the world around him and starts to build this people And when this people is enslaved in Egypt, God raises up a guy named Moses to rescue them so his people who will be this witness to the world, because God's a missionary God, at one point, God calls this, one of these prophets from, from Israel, his name is Jonah, and he says, Jonah, there's this city called Nineveh, and it's going to ruins, but I love this city, and I want you to go there. And Jonah runs away, and he says, you're crazy, God, I don't want to go to that city. But, jo- but God says, Jonah, don't you realize I love this city? Don't you care about these people too? And that story of mercy and grace and calling these, this city to repentance is, to, is, is because God's a missionary, We serve a missionary God. We serve a missional God. One of the most beautiful verses describing what Israel was always meant to be, even though they they failed in this along the way, is Isaiah 49, 6, where Isaiah calls Israel to be a light to the nations because God's a missionary God. And the climax of the story, when when, when we see God's only son come to earth, Right? John chapter 1, verse 14, the word or Jesus becomes flesh and moves into our world and comes announcing God's kingdom. What does that mean? God's a missionary. And he, he comes through his son, Jesus Christ, to our world. Eugene Peterson says, Jesus moved into the neighborhood. God's son moved into the neighborhood. That's what missionaries do. They move into a neighborhood. God moved into our neighborhood. When Jesus sends his disciples out, his fi- one of his final words is, go into the world. Make disciples of all nations. And then we see this group of disciples after Jesus' resurrection waiting and wondering what's going to happen. And Jesus tells them one last time, listen, you wait because I'm going to send my spirit and my spirit's going to empower you. And you're going to become witnesses in Jerusalem here in your town and your neighborhood. But not just that. You're gonna, it's going to go to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Why is that? Because God's a missionary. All God has done and continues to do is in line with his mission. He loves people, he loves the world. So when we read about Paul, it's not not an accident. Paul fits right into God's mission. When we read about Archippus, it's not an accident. Archippus fits right into God's mission. He received this from God, and Paul says, Keep it up. And when we think about our mission, it's not an accident it fits right into God's mission. We don't have to invent it or reinvent it or kind of start a mission from scratch. We already know the mission is to make disciples of all nations and to, and to you know, proclaim God's kingdom and his justice and his reign and his goodness and his good news. But here's what I love about Archippus. He's so ordinary, like he's mentioned once or twice. He's, he's leading a small house church it's, it's amazing because when you, I think, I don't know about you, but like when you look at Paul, does he feel like the Christian superstar? You know, he's the apostle. He's the church planter. He's the brilliant theologian. He's the guy who went to prison for his faith. He's the one who, bef- man, his story of conversion is crazy, like he killed Christians before, and then, you know, Jesus shows up and shows himself to him, and man, he goes blind, and then God heals him, and then he's called, and he's, he meets with the, 12, the 11 disciples after that, and he, he's like, oh my gosh, what a crazy story. You know, Paul, kind of like the superstar disciple, huge impact, gets like over a dozen letters in the New Testament, and Archippus, one line, hey Archippus, Like, complete the ministry. Don't give up this thing that you receive from the Lord. And I love that because there's not very many Pauls. I mean, God can use people in significant ways for sure. But there's lots of archipuses. There's not many Pauls, but there's lots of archipuses. God loves to use ordinary experiences, ordinary people, ordinary moments. I was talking about my time in Vanier when I was younger, and there was a guitar player I played with, his name was Nick, and uh, we played in a fusion band together, and he was a really good jazz guitarist, I really appreciated him, but we were very different, like, in a lot of different ways, and one was faith, and uh, we would, you know, I would share faith with him sometime, or he'd ask me questions, and Nick was the kind of guy that, like, you know, he was in a practice room, and uh, he would kind of, he would put his shirt over the window, and just hang out there in private with his girlfriend, I'm like... Okay, I wonder what's going on, right? Like that was like Nick, you know, like, and so I 'm like, yeah, okay, Nick, cool i mean that 's what you want to do, but that that was, that was him, you know, and we, we sometimes we would travel together for competitions and we'd play together and we'd talk and and you know, there would be these moments of of, of kind of expressing uh, my faith or maybe answering some questions or talking about things, but i I always wondered, like, what was that going to ever turn into? you know, Nick was so far from you know, maybe wanting God to really lead his life, but we still had a good relationship. We still spent time together. We still shared with each other, and he still got a glimpse of the goodness and good news of Jesus, but I left. I finished. I graduated, and he stayed another year, and I went back the year later, and uh, I, I saw Nick. He was playing in one of the bands, and I uh, asked him how he's doing, and he's like, Dave, guess what? I said, what? He says, I'm going to church. I'm like, you're going to church? I said, what the heck happened? How did that happen? Like, weren't you the guy in the practice room with your girlfriend? Anyways, so I didn't tell him that. But sorry, I'm making, like, making that a big deal. But here's the thing. He says, he says, yeah, he goes, you know, my I'm dating this new girl, and she's a Christian, and she's been sharing her faith with me as well. And and I'm, I'm liking this, and I'm growing in this, and I'm starting to discover this. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. And I realize, like, me, ordinary Dave, Vanier College, playing my horn, Nick's playing guitar, we played together. And I'm like, I love how God works because God's a missionary God. God used an ordinary person like myself in an ordinary place in an ordinary atmosphere. Isn't that amazing? God loves to use our ordinary lives. I, I wrote it down like this, and to help us grasp it, God uses ordinary people in ordinary places to announce his love and reign in ordinary circumstances. In 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 a, in a practice hall playing fusion, jazz fusion, in a school, in a work environment, in a neighborhood. God uses ordinary people in ordinary places to announce his love and reign in ordinary circumstances. And this is what we get from this. And it's this next line I really want us to just leave with today. So important. We are sent wherever we are. We are sent wherever we are. God wants to use us and and we can be an instrument in God's hands for his purposes and his mission wherever we are. You know, last week we had Captain Kindness here, Dave Carell, and he said, you know, this great story about himself. He said when he he got excited about Jesus, him and his wife said, well, what's the next thing we do? Well, let's move away. Let's cross the ocean. Let's go to Africa. And then they're sitting in a part of Africa and realizing God doesn't need me here. He's doing enough. And he realized I should be home. I should be in Brantford, Ontario. I should go back to my ordinary place because God might want to use me there. I thought that was such a good point that fits in this idea. We are sent wherever we are. Anybody know that author, Francis Chan? He's a Christian. You could probably find him on YouTube. People like, he's a very passionate um, speaker. His background is Korean, and um, he had an interesting story. You know, he was, God really used him in incredible ways in, in Southern California and Silicon Valley area. And his church, the church that he was a part of, just grew like the five, six, seven thousand people. I don't know. Um, many people came to faith, and but he, that all, he just felt like that wasn't for him. He left, he just left it. He said, I just feel God's wanting to do something completely different in my life. And he felt a calling to the marginalized, to the poor. So he just, he quit and he just put his faith in God and he's like, what's next? So he's thinking about it, praying about it, and he said, well, you know what, I have a Korean background. I might as well go to Korea. He just, he just went on a whim. He's like, I'm Korean. Let me go to Korea. So he's in Korea for like two, three months, and he's wondering. He's learning a lot. He's seeing things. He's seeing the church active. He's seeing God at work, but he he doesn't know if he's really meant to be there, you know, and he, he calls a friend of his, uh, Dave Gibbons, and you can Google Dave Gibbons. He's a really great uh, pastor and leader, uh, I think, in the California area as well, and, and uh, Dave Gibbons says to him, like, Francis, what are you doing? It's like, well, I'm in Korea. This is my background. He's like, Francis, you don't even speak Korean. What are you doing in Korea? Like, what are you going to do for these people? Like, you think there's some noble cause that you're, you know, going back to your family roots? And Francis Chan, this, you know, if you've heard him speak, you know he's really passionate and loves the Lord and discerns. He's like, yeah, I guess I didn't get that. I'm going to go back to California. <laughs> so he goes back to California, and as he comes back to California, he doesn't know what to do next. He's just like, what's happening? What's next? And he, he sees a need and an opportunity in San Francisco with the marginalized and the poor, and he just jumps into it. And he's like, you know what, I'm going to just, I'm going to be sent wherever God has me. And he started to serve there, and 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 lead people to Christ and see groups shaped and starting serving the poor and serving the marginalized and helping them and just being a blessing to them and it all came back to this idea we you know it's not that we can't go other places but for the most part we are sent wherever we are we are sent wherever we are that's so important for you and for me you're sent to your family and to your neighborhood and to your friends to your work colleagues, to your school, to the people you know at the gym, to the people you hang out with in maybe some club that you're a part of or something. You're sent, I'm sent to wherever we are. And you know, Archippus' call is, is nice to read, right? But when we read that, we can sometimes misunderstand it and say, Jesus, where's my call? Like, what's my ministry? What can I complete? What are you giving me? What am I going to receive from you? And I think we make too much of this one sentence and say, What's my specific call? Like to who and where and what and how? And maybe that's possible. God sometimes gives us specific calls. I know. I mean my wife and I, and we you know we felt to plant a church fifteen years ago, and God sometimes births specific things in us. But I think and I believe that we are called before anything else, right where we are. Before anything else, we're called right where we are. We are sent by Jesus wherever we are. And the beauty is we're all on mission together because we serve a missional God. We as a church are all on mission together because we serve a missional God. We are a church, and the church is missionary. We are witnesses together. Here's here's how Paul describes it in Ephesians chapter 3. Listen to this. It's one of my favorite descriptions of the church. Where does it start? Yeah, verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. And although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of his mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. But listen to this. This is amazing. His intent was that now. Can we all say that next line? His intent was that now? What? One more time? Okay, just a little bit louder. Through the church. Awesome. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to His eternal purpose, that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. That just blows my mind that God would use us, that somehow you and me and us together were like this mirror that, that, you know, even the angels look down, and look, the authorities in the heavenly realms look down and say, oh, wow, God, that's what you're up to? This is your plan? This is how you're reaching the world? This is what you're using, like, you're using Dave? You're using Rob? You're using Angie? You're using, and, and, and they look down, and it's like this, we're this mirror showing them This is God's plan. God's a missionary God. He loves people. He cares for people. He's calling them into relationship to Him. He wants them to see His justice and His grace and His righteousness. And it's through the church. is that great? Through the church. That's both in some ways like, oh wow, but we're not perfect. Of course we aren't. And yet at the same time it's like, wow, that's so humbling. It's amazing and humbling all at once. That God would use us. That God would say, you're a community, on mission, as part of my mission. And so when when Paul wrote that little line to Archippus, he was saying that through the church, through these people, this small community that meets in your home, that's just maybe starting or just a handful of people or maybe 15 or 20 people, these people that are meeting in your church, Archippus, complete the ministry that you received in the Lord. Keep at it, keep going, because what is happening here is part of my mission for the world. And he tells you and me, he says, Hey, Montreal, you're there in Montreal, pointing people to the goodness and the good news of Jesus Christ. Keep at it, keep doing that, keep serving, keep loving, keep being a light, keep being a witness. See, and we can do that here. We can do that right, even right here. You know, it's called this room and space was called the family room a couple of weeks back. And I think we're going to stick with that because people will come and find hope and that are searching for hope. And we hope that in our family room, as we gather and as we share and as we speak and as we serve, people will find this hope. But the beautiful thing is we're also sent, right? We're not just here. We're not here for these walls. God, we come together and then we we walk out and we're sent out into our workplaces and we're sent out into our schools and we're sent out into our homes and our neighborhoods and, and our gyms and all these places. We're sent out as the church together. So when you're when you're you know on site at school or on site at work or in your home or in your neighborhood you're not there alone we're in a sense we're doing this together this uh, this uh, last Wednesday night was Halloween and I know you know Christians have a different view of of Halloween I mean not a different view i mean i never celebrate halloween or say happy halloween i struggle to say happy halloween like what am i happy about what am i telling you i don't even know so but i know i know one thing i know people walk by my house a lot right and so this this um uh, this week, you know, my wife and I and our kids have done this hot chocolate stand for a while and, and, um, and, and last year we couldn't do it. And then sometimes when you stop something, you realize that people actually like it or miss it. And so last year we couldn't do it and then we, we started to get this sense like, oh, wow, the, hey, the hot chocolate stand is back and the popcorn's back this year. And, and it was great. We got to serve, you know, I don't know how many people and connected with neighbors and, and blessed people and gave people like a warm drink during a cold night. And what I loved about that is not that we did this, but I heard that like someone from our church did it in Vaudreuil and someone from our church did it in Pointe Claire, and someone from our church did it in Durval. And I thought, here we are. Maybe there's others that we don't know about. We're just spread out. We're sent out. Now, I, I know no one was doing some Billy Graham crusade at the hot chocolate stand. I know that it wasn't like the gospel was presented, right? I, we get that. That's not, but the point is that we were present And we were available and we were ready and we were hospitable and we were a witness of God's kingdom beauty and love and grace just spread out. Why? Because we're on mission together, whether we're here or whether we're sent out, right? Whether we're here or whether we're sent out, we're on mission together. And so as we think about this, even in the next couple of months, I want to just point your attention to how important it is when we come alongside certain days or events or opportunities. Someone told me, he said, Dave, just be mindful that like, at least your first year in this space, there's, there's, there's going to be a first for everything. The second year, it'll never be a first again. <laughs> and that's, that's okay. We're not, not, we don't want to be nostalgic about that. But there's a beautiful opportunity in that. And Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. So November 18th, we're throwing a party. We're going to make the most of this opportunity that we're freshly in this space. We're gonna invite friends and family members and, and people from the city and our neighbors because we want to make most of this opportunity so people can hear some hope. So people can maybe make a connection to know that at some point in their life, if they're not searching today, they're searching down the road, they know where to come back. And so when we do this thing November 18th, it's not just a party for ourselves. We want the world to know that there's a God who loves them, and a God who cares for them, and a God who longs so much for them. A couple of weeks after that, we're, doing a, a, we're hosting, not us, but West Island Mission is doing a toy drive shopping experience in our space. And under-resourced families are going to come and shop for free, for toys for their families, and we get to use this space, and we get to volunteer and invest our time and effort so we can bless someone and show, show the goodness of God to them. Our first Christmas is here, Christmas gathering, where we can celebrate the amazing birth of Jesus Christ together. We can work together as a community and do that together. And every time we do that, you know what we are? We're missionaries. We don't have to get on a plane. We don't have to buy a ticket. We don't have to learn a language. We can be used by God right here, amen? Right here. Um. It's interesting as we're going to take communion in a moment and get ready for that so maybe the team can come up and and come and get ready for that as well but um you know we're so grateful that um joseph v is doing well you know and even sent a note today saying hey i'm coming home and we texted over the weekend to see how he's doing as well and um but man you know when i when i heard like i've known joseph for 15 years and he's only 50 and this this really significant incident happened Man, I just had to step back and say, oh, wow, God. Like, life is fragile. Time is of the essence. There's opportunities around us. And um, I don't know, what, what, maybe because I've known Joseph for a while, and I've, you know, he looks healthier than I do, and, um, and, and I'm like, man, what, you know? And it just stopped and made me think, just the preciousness of life, the value of opportunity, the value of time, the value of relationships, the value of the Lord setting up a moment and prompting us to jump into a moment to encourage someone or talk to someone or share the gospel with someone or serve someone or sacrifice uh, generously for his mission. And we realize it it could just, those opportunities could be gone. And I'm not saying this to us in a way to like hype up this thing but it, it really did it just kind of like hit me in a couple of waves as this happened this week this, to someone we all is all dear to us and i thought oh god may we make the most of every opportunity that comes our way at work and at home in this space as a church in our families in our neighborhoods we want to be part of what you're doing Till our very last breath, we want to be a vessel of hope to people in our world. And, and that just reminded me of that this week. Not just of the fragility of life, but the time and opportunity that we have. So as we kind of wrap up and come to this close and we're going to celebrate communion, I just want us to, to call us into that. We together are missionaries. We are called by God to be part of his church. And here's the beautiful thing. You don't have a mission. I don't have a mission. God has a mission. And God's mission has a church. It's not your mission. It's not my mission. It's God's mission. And in God's love and grace and wisdom, he said through the church, his manifold wisdom is going to be expressed and his kingdom is going to come and will be done and and his grace is going to be shared and expressed. God has a mission. It's amazing. And God's mission has a church, you and me. When we're out, sent out and scattered, and when we're all together, when we're serving together or serving out in our neighborhoods, God's mission has a church, and we're part of that. God's a missionary God, and that's why the church is a missionary people. That's why we follow that, because God loves every single person that we lock eyes with. Every single person that we lock eyes with matters to God. Every single one whether they're your family or your friend, whether they're your friend or your enemy, whether they're on one side of the political aisle or the other side of the political aisle, whether they live in your neighborhood or, they, or they're in your network, whether they're at work or at the gym, every person we lock eyes with matters to God. And I just pray that as we grow in him, that those people that we lock eyes with would matter to us and that we would recognize God wants to use us in his mission. It's his mission. And his mission has a church and we're his church. If you're here today and, and you're just kind of exploring faith you're like whoa wait a second you know, what did I sign up for and I'm like you know what here's what I want to tell you you're here because God loves you somehow God got you here today and, and what we're saying here today is that God loves you so much that he's orchestrated all this because he wants you to know that he loves you and that there's hope for you and that he longs for a relationship with you man the God of the universe is on your back in a good way and he's put all this together, and not just here, but other things. He can orchestrate moments in your life that happen, and he can use them to just get our attention. And he, it's because he loves you so much. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know the blessing and joy of his grace and justice and peace. So, if that's you today, even, I would just encourage you, let's, I want to help you make a step towards that. That might just be a prayer today, saying, Lord, I, I want to know more. I, I want more of you. I, I want to understand um, how you love me and why you love me and and ask the Lord to just open up your heart to him. It's a simple step of faith. It's a simple step of declaration. It's a simple step that sometimes comes even in the form of a prayer where we say, Lord, man, I've been living this way, not a touch with you, but I long to know you deeply. I'm getting this idea that you do love me and you want more of me. So I I want to embrace that. Maybe as we take communion today, you might just take some time to reflect. Um, But it might just be your your first time and you're thinking, all I tell you is just keep coming back and let's journey together and help you understand what that means to know Jesus and follow Jesus. Um, So the team's going to lead us in this song and we're going to take time to share communion today. Um, And so as we do that, I'm going to invite us to to stand and... um, there's some communion elements on this side and on that side and in the back as well so you can go where it's convenient to you, there's gluten free options at at every post as well so you don't have to just go to one And, um, and as you come and take these elements let's just be mindful remember what we said, every person we lock eyes with matters to God, you know what that also means? that the person that is right beside you they matter to God and the person who's beside you when they're looking at you that means you matter to God you're loved by God. Every single person in this room matters to God. And when we take this little glass of juice and this piece of bread and in a moment we celebrate what that means, let's be reminded that, that we matter to God, that you matter to God. God sent his son Jesus for you, for me. If you're visiting with us and you don't consider yourself a Christian and uh, I just encourage you just to kind of watch what we're doing. But if in the last couple of weeks you've made a decision to follow Christ, please come and And embrace this. This is a great step forward in your walk with Christ. God, I know that your Holy Spirit is just putting faces and names in our mind right now. Lord, we just lift these people up to you. We know that they matter to you. We know that you love them. Because you are a missional God. You've sent us, God, as you sent Christ. Now we're empowered by your Holy Spirit to be on mission with you. Thank you. Thank you that we don't have to recreate or rework or strategize what what our mission is. But we know that we're part of your mission already. Your mission as a church. Thank you, God, that we already know your love and experience your love. And are grateful for your love, God. So we want to be vessels, instruments that you work through to reach those around us, God. Lord, help us to, to discern and value the number of our days, the opportunities around us. May we make every opportunity. May we listen to your spirit, God, throughout the day and week. May we respond appropriately. Equip us, God. Guide us, empower us. Embolden us, Lord. And Lord, for as we're sent out this week into our workplaces and neighborhoods and Friendships and families, God, we go out as sent people. You're sent people It's part of your mission. May we be a blessing to our neighbors. May we be a blessing at work. May we do our work well. May we parent well. May we, may we love those around us. May we do good around us, God. And while that is taking place, God, may we be sensitive to what you're doing around us and join you. God, these next couple of opportunities in the next couple of months, our launch and The toy drive and Christmas and other things, God, our gatherings, Lord, we again make the most of these opportunities. We work with you, serve with you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.